Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be always acceptable, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I have a group chat of clergy friends that we consult with during the week, and usually we discuss preaching. Sometimes I'll ask them, what are you preaching about? Usually when I have writer's block. And so this week I asked, what are you all preaching on? And one of them says, well, I'm preaching on the four guys who brought their paralyzed friends to church, even though they had to dig a hole through someone's roof, and then ask my congregation, so who did you bring to church today? <laughs> I'm not doing that. Um, we're going to focus on our, on our epistle reading this morning, which really at the beginning, St. Paul is talking about the Gentiles walking in the darkness of their minds, and he talks about all these kind of negative habits that the Gentiles have, really quite dour um, picture of human nature that St. Paul paints. And sometimes we might question, is that really a good depiction of how humanity operates? And, you know, well, maybe it does seem a little pessimistic to us in our day and age. I think St. Paul is really onto something in the, in the epistle reading this morning. Now, I want to start by posing a scenario for you, because, you know, again, we can kind of get lulled into this idea, well, everyone is basically good, and they always kind of make the best choice that they possibly can. Caroline and I know a couple from back home. We've known them for a long time. Um, They've been married for about a decade, and we found out recently that they're getting a divorce. And the the reason for the divorce is that the husband decided he just doesn't really want to be married anymore. Um, And to make things even more tragic about that situation, if you go to his social media and you see the kind of things that he really emphasizes or prioritizes, it's highly depressing. If you pull up his social media and you start scrolling, you see a picture of him golfing, and then another picture of him golfing, and then another picture of him golfing, and then another picture of him golfing, another picture of him golfing, a picture of a nice car that he owns, and then another picture of him golfing. So you get the point. What does he prioritize in his life? And it's sad because this tells us that his priorities are so out of whack that his mind has become darkened. He can't see what's important really in life because he so ordered his life around chasing a little white ball on a field. This proves a point, I think, that a life oriented around the wrong things can be quite ugly. And for us to make that statement, we have to really uh, understand three related concepts, truth, justice, and beauty. When we talk about truth, we're talking about reality, what really is. Justice is right behavior, which is to act rightly in light of truth. And beauty is the result of truth and justice, the symmetry of a life well-lived that accords with the truth. Unfortunately, the world as we experience it is built on the human desire to make and define our own truth. And when we do this, the results will always be unjust and ugly. When we ignore reality, we are not, in fact, free, like John Lennon may have imagined in his song. Quite the opposite. We will be miserable. And we'll look to fill the emptiness that we have inside of ourselves with things that harm ourselves and others. And so in the Christian church, to be countercultural, we pledge at the very moment of our baptism, to fight against the world, the flesh, and the devil, and to follow Jesus, who is the truth. 
And so we pursue that truth, and alongside it, we pursue virtue because virtue is the ethical expression of being a truth follower. Now, when we say that something is true, we mean that it's true insofar as it corresponds to reality. The Cowboys will win the Super Bowl is a true statement. Just kidding. That something can be true or false, though, implies that there is such a thing as truth. But our culture, along with Pontius Pilate, asks that question, what is truth? This is a question that St. Paul actually answers for us this morning in our reading. The truth is in Jesus. We might think elsewhere where Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. In other words, the truth is not a series of disjointed facts, but rather a person, specifically the second person of the Trinity in whom all things that exist have their being. And what this means is that our relation to God is our relation to truth. We can have a positive relation to truth, which we receive through baptism into Christ, or we can have a negative relation to truth when we reject him through our own beliefs or behaviors. Now, the human problem is that all of us are born into a rejection of the truth. The man with palsy and our gospel reading this morning who was brought to Jesus, that's us. We can't heal ourselves. We need him to heal us. The sickness that we have, though, is not a sickness of body or a disability, but rather a vanity or futility of mind. What St. Paul means when he says this is that we have an aversion to truth, an aversion to God that often expresses itself in open rebellion against him. St. John Chrysostom tells us that our minds become vain or futile when futile things become our preoccupation. Big houses, masses of wealth, luxuries. These are the kinds of things that Chrysostom lists. But this mental futility spills into the rest of our lives because we're an integrated whole. We can't just partition that part off about who we are. So an example of this, when I was a teacher in Virginia, I could tell you within two or three days of the beginning of a new class, which of my students were addicted to video games. And you know how I could tell that? They were disinterested in learning, even more than the average student. They were always tired from staying up late and binging video games. But the most important metric of this was that they could not have a meaningful conversation about serious things because their minds had been engaged only in the futile. And so if we focus on things that are futile, well, then we become futile. Our minds become futile. This ignorance, this lack of coherence to reality has an effective consequence that St. Paul calls blindness of heart. Now, blindness of heart for him is synonymous with another biblical phrase, hardness of heart. This speaks to a lack of remorse because the person becomes so calcified by their sin that they're no longer attuned to the natural horror of their sinful actions. The heart turns to stone, and unless it's pricked by divine grace, it is oblivious to the tragedy of sin. When we reach this state, We fall into what St. Paul calls lasciviousness, which is a big word to describe debauchery, 
a lack of restraint in moral attitude and behavior. So ignorance takes away our awareness of proper boundaries. Our calloused hearts then throw off any restraint, and this produces a kind of mental darkness. And the problem is that each of us have inherited this propensity, and the only solution for us, the only way forward, is for the old man to be cast off. If the underlying cause of all this is the futility of the mind, well, then the solution, according to St. Paul, is to be renewed by the spirit of your mind. First, we're renewed in our spirit, which is done in and through the sacrament of baptism that implants new life in us. But our minds often come around a little slower. God has to teach us. And as he teaches us and we listen to him and we obey and we submit our wills to his will, well, then we become more and more enlightened. But we have to participate with him and the grace that he imparts to us. And so this renewal of the mind means that we intentionally join ourselves to those clean and pure thoughts which originate from God. It means we cling to the truth and conform ourselves to it rather than trying to make the truth conform to us. And this requires a kind of twofold maintenance action within our hearts. Namely, that we purge, that we remove the old, that we put away our harmful behaviors while simultaneously grabbing on to what is true, good, and beautiful. These two actions really are two sides of the same coin. And that coin we might call putting on Christ. And what this phrase, putting on Christ, means is that we become like him. Becoming like Christ can be described by many terms. Sanctification, theosis, divinization, Christification. But underneath all of that jargon is the idea that we are to grow in holiness and righteousness after the image of him that created us as St. Paul says in Colossians 3.10. In other words, by pursuing virtue, we become servants of the truth. Renewal of our minds requires an ethical expression because we have to follow the truth with all of who we are, not just our minds, but our whole being. And so how we think and how we act are not unconnected. Putting off the old and putting on the new is a recognition that the truth permeates everything. Just like the man with the palsy, we do not leave our encounter with truth the same. The whole of the Christian life is a response to Jesus' healing words, pick up your mat and walk. We are being renewed. We are putting off the old and putting on the new. We're going further up and further into the mystery of God. Jesus is the truth, and everything revolves around that fact. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.